Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, that he actually lives inside of you? Are you living your life today in a way that reflects this reality? Let's open our Bibles now to Colossians chapter 1 and see what the Lord has for us. Well, good afternoon and uh, welcome to uh, another teaching. Today is Friday, December 4th, and it's in the afternoon that, uh, that we're recording here, and we're in McKinney, Texas. Hopefully everyone's doing well. Uh, it's the beginning of the Christmas season, and, uh, and hopefully Jesus is on our, our hearts a little bit more. Hopefully we're thinking about Jesus, remembering him, and remembering all the incredible ramifications that, uh, that his birth has had on our lives, not only in this life, but obviously in the next life. I would planned to do a teaching today in, uh, in Galatians. It's what uh, you know, our, our leaders, it's what we did in Bible study on Thursday, but but uh, the Lord kind of uh, interrupted me this Wednesday. Wednesday morning, I was uh, I was at the second floor of a uh, of a high end grocery store where they have a nice sitting area and where you can enjoy your coffee. And um, I was drinking my coffee, and I was actually writing the exhortation that goes out every month that many of you read. And a, and a man came on me. My man Steve came on me, and uh, and he's older than me. And uh, Steve basically said to me, you know, um, we we kind of have a a Bible study with eight or nine guys, and uh, and you're sitting here by yourself at this uh, ten top table. Uh, you think, John, maybe you could go ahead and move to a smaller table so that we could uh, we could use this one. Um. That's my uh, that's my replay of it. Steve is actually uh, he's an extremely graceful man. That's probably how I would have said it. But uh, but Steve came over and, uh, you know, he explained to me that they do this Bible study. And I said, wow, that's that's great. And uh, and so we got to talking a little bit about, you know, just about some different things about church and uh, what church he was a part of. And uh, and he invited me to stay. And so I stayed for the Bible study and uh, uh, just, a, just a pretty, pretty serious, uh, strong, focused group of men. And they were finishing Colossians 1. And uh, my man Gary, it was his turn and, and he had prepared the lesson in Colossians 1, 24 to 29. And I was just, I was taken back by, uh, by how prepared he was with all the cross references he brought, all the scriptures that relate to these scriptures. And so we, uh, we got right into it and we ended up having some spirited discussions, some passionate discussions, some lifestyle discussions. Um, and that was pretty good stuff. Uh, uh, there was a young man named Jared that I used to, uh, 
that I used to talk to about the Lord Jesus 16, 17 years ago. And I, I later learned from his dad, Wade, that uh, he's a part of this study. And so uh, the men were gracious. They, they invited me to stay. And so, I, again, I was blessed by the teaching. We haven't done this before. So today we're going to discuss Colossians 1, verses 24 to 29. And, and certainly in, uh, in some future podcasts down the road, we'll have to do the the verses that that are ahead of this in chapter one, because it's the whole book is incredible, as is all the word of God, as we know. So we're going to go ahead and pray, invite the Lord into our time, and then we will get rolling. Father, we do thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, the Son of God, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We give you all the praise. We thank you for this time at Christmas, Lord Jesus, where, where we remember you, Lord, where you of your own will became a human man and lived a perfect life for us and died a perfect death for us. And we remember that you are alive and risen and uh, you are God Almighty. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the word of God Open our minds and hearts that we can receive now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, Colossians 1. It's just going to be six verses today, verses 24 to 29. We'll read it first, and then we'll get started. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Wow. 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just, just remarkable scripture. Verse 24, Paul says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, the scripture says, you remember in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, where Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Um, do you rejoice in suffering? Because I, I, I don't do too well, Gary. I, I really don't do too well. Paul said, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. Paul had an understanding that sufferings helped advance the kingdom of God or the gospel of God. And there were times where he had to go through tremendous suffering for to get the gospel into certain parts of the world. But this can apply to anything we do, right, Matt? Any aspect of suffering the Lord can use in the advancement of the gospel. But but personally I've got to uh I've got to do a better job because I rejoice in what was suffered for you. I've said this before. 
when sufferings come into my life, when difficulties come into my life, when things that are unpleasant come into my life, basically I tolerate them. I put up with them. I, I try to do it with grace, but I, I don't rejoice. But if we could see that any sufferings that we, we are allowed to go to go through are being used and will be used in Christ and for Christ and for the advancement of the kingdom of God, I think maybe we would begin to learn this principle of rejoicing. And we see this throughout Paul's letters. You know, he gives this list that he delights in insults. He delights in persecutions. He delights in difficulties for when he's weak, then he's strong. That's some kind of grown up Christian. And that's what we want to strive to. He says, no, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. This was a, uh, a big point in our Wednesday, our Wednesday Bible study. What does it mean when Paul says what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church? What we first have to acknowledge is what it does not mean. It does not mean that the work of Christ on the cross and all the torture he went through beforehand wasn't sufficient. And we add to that by our sufferings. That is not what it means at all. It cannot mean that. The work of Christ at the cross, the work of Christ, all the suffering he went through before the cross, the very perfect life he lived uh, was a life of suffering and service every moment of every day. What is it like for God to become a human man and have to live a day on this earth is in itself suffering, right? So all that Christ did up into when he was arrested, when he was tortured, when they pressed that crown down into his head, when he was whipped and beaten and flogged to, to, to an inch of his life, and then when he was brutally nailed to the cross, all of that is completely and totally sufficient in itself to pay the sin debt of the entire world, and we can add nothing to that. None of my suffering or your suffering, Jared, adds anything to what Christ has done at the cross. Okay? So, when Paul says, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, he's not talking about redemption here. What Paul is talking about here is that God has set up a system and a plan where believers are allowed to participate and are often given to participate in the sufferings and the difficulties of Christ and that they are used where Christ's sufferings were obviously used for redemption. Our sufferings and affliction can be used in the advancement of the gospel. So when Paul says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, well, because of the sufferings he went through, oftentimes doors of the gospel were opened and people were saved. Does that make sense? So again, uh, the Lord has allowed believers to suffer throughout the, uh, the ages. Um, over the last 2,000 years, Christians have been allowed to go through some extremely difficult sufferings by the Lord. They're allowed to 
to carry sufferings, and those sufferings are utilized by God in the advancement of the kingdom and the building of the church. But they have nothing to do whatsoever with redemption. So hopefully that makes sense to you. Again, we spoke a lot about that in the study because that is a uh, that is just a verse that's just very full. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And sometimes we just think of sufferings as just only suffering for Christ. But but uh, but I forget who said it. Um, might have been might have been Josh. Um, could have been Chuck or Dave. One of the guys at the study made a great point that whatever kind of suffering you're going through, it could be suffering in your health, right? Sometimes the Lord can use that and count that toward suffering in the body of Christ for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Uh, it's not just sufferings that, you know, that come from sharing the gospel. And certainly we should, we said this at the study, ought to be sharing the gospel. We ought to be talking about Jesus. And the more you do that, ultimately, the more you will be persecuted. But sufferings can take on many, uh, many different forms. Verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. As Christians, it's our job to present the word of God in its fullness, Wade. Not my own opinions, not my own ideas, not my own thoughts. Well, you and I think don't matter at all. Here, here's the commission. The commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Not the word of Wade in its fullness, not the word of John in its fullness, not the word of Steve in its fullness, not the word of Dave or Chuck or Josh in its fullness, certainly not the word of Scott in its fullness. But we're supposed to present the word of God and the son of God in its fullness, and that's it. We're supposed to get out of the way of the word of God. My words can't help anyone, but the word of God can save you. The gospel of God is what saves us, feeds us, builds us up, sustains us, the word of God. Uh, as Christians, certainly as Christian leaders, as pastors, as elders, we have to get back to the simplicity of presenting the word of God in its fullness, opening the word of God that people might hear it, understand it, get saved by it, and grow in it. Look at verse 25. Paul said, I have become its servant. Are y'all servants today? Are we servants anymore? We are, but I think we're often servants of our own lives. We're servants of our own agendas. We're servants of our own desires. We're certainly servants of our own time. We like our own time. I think we're more often than not servants to ourselves than we are servants to the word of God and the son of God. We are commissioned to be servants of Jesus Christ or slaves to Jesus Christ. And I confess that, that oftentimes I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm far more a servant of myself and my own agenda and my own desires and uh, just my own wants, sweetheart. I met my wife May when I said that, but y'all take it as you will.
the sweetheart, I mean. Um, she knows that better than anyone. You know, I'm just consistently just focused on on the things that I like. And, and obviously, we know we struggle with this as as people, but we, we want to grow to be servants, that God has commissioned us to be servants and to present the Word of God and the Son of God as clearly and effectively as we can. Help us, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I ask you to help us this day to more and more be better and better servants of you, the Son of God, and to the living Word of God. We just thank you for the scriptures, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you that, that, that all of our lives mean nothing save the Word of God and the Son of God and the Son of God and the Word of God. We just thank you for that, Lord Jesus. To present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. I said before that uh, in the Catholic Church, Saints is a term reserved for the super amazing um, Catholic priests or the super amazing, you know, um, Catholic popes are often given to sainthood. But when the scripture speaks to saints, wherever the New Testament talks about saints, it's talking about anyone who has truly received Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. Because look what it says here. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. In the Old Testament, uh, the gospel, uh, Jesus, the Messiah, was only seen in in type and shadow. We could see him throughout the Old Testament. There were prophecies that said a Savior would come. So it was was hidden. It wasn't just like in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and in uh, all the epistles, the entire 27 books of the New Testament, Jesus is just on every page in plain sight. In the Old Testament, it was in prophecy, type, and shadow. But it says it's now disclosed. The mystery here, it doesn't mean, um, you know, like solving a riddle. Uh, the mystery here is that it's revelation. That, that God the Father has now given us revelation. That we can understand now the, the, this whole deal about a Messiah and a Savior that would come and live his life for us, and die a perfect death for us, and that he would die in our place, in our behalf, the death that we should have died. That revelation has now come 2,000 years ago uh, to the church, and it's our job to make it known that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, God the Son, full-blown God, but also when he walked the earth, was a man, was the God-man, and all that he did on our behalf and in our place. Um, And that by trusting in him and relying on him alone and his mercy and all he did for us, our sins would be forgiven. We'd come into relationship with God the Father as our heavenly father. And we'd be saved and go to heaven when we die. Golly, that's the mystery. Mystery meaning the revelation, the understanding of this whole thing. And so many still don't understand it. I was talking talking that to Wade today, how I grieve um, about just, uh, you know, I'll say, Father, you know, you've given me such grace to understand these things in revelation. I pray you would give it to, to all those that don't have it. Have mercy, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 27, to them, meaning the saints, 
God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. What is a Gentile? We've talked about this before. There's two types of people in the entire world. The only two types of people in the world, Chuck, are Jews and Gentiles. And if you're not a Jew, you are, as a matter of course, a Gentile. Okay? So if you were not born Hebrew, if you were not born Jewish, if your descendants are not Jewish, then you are Gentile. God selected back in all the way back uh, in the Old Testament. Abraham is where he began this Jewish nation. And they were going to be a, 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 a chosen people that God the Father would give his revelation to. We see the entire Old Testament. We see these chosen people just rebelling against the word of God and all that he's given them to do again and again and again and again and again. So the Old Testament promised that a savior would come to redeem uh, the people of God. But then this incredible mystery came up that to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles that not only would Christ redeem the Jews, not only would the savior come for the forgiveness of, of Israel's sins, but also for everyone else in the world who would receive him. Wow. Golly, thank you, Lord. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, the Jews and the Gentiles. Jesus is the savior of everyone in the world. It doesn't matter what you are today or where you are today. All of us need Jesus. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. Every human being is sinful, whether you're Jewish or not. You're not Jewish. All the rest of the heritages are Gentile. All of us are sinful. All of us need a savior. All of us are dead in our sin. All of us need to run to Jesus and just, just, just run to Jesus today. If you don't know him and just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. I place all my faith and trust and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting God. Jesus is our only hope, whatever our heritage is. He says to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. And here's the revelation, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. If you are a Christian today, if you're a Christian today, Glenn, then Jesus Christ is literally living inside of you, in your spirit. Look at this, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, which is to say you, have, you are trusting in him, you have called on him and asked him to be the Lord of your life, you are at this moment trusting completely and totally and fully in Jesus for the salvation of your soul and the forgiveness of your sins, and you name Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior in hope, and you've asked him to come into your heart, he now lives inside of you. Look at this. This is the mystery. This is the revelation that Jesus Christ is actually living in his people. It's, it's mind-blowing. 
pow, pow, pow. I mean, that's like fireworks. It's like the 4th of July every day. Jesus Christ living in us. Steve, there's nothing greater than that. There's a lot in me that's not very good. But the fact that Jesus is in me is, uh, well, this is just, there are no words. Words cannot do justice to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, willing to give a portion of himself to live in me and all the believers. That's why we're called the body of Christ, right? We're, he lives in all believers and we're, we're one body. We're called the bride of Christ because Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is one with our spirit, right? We're married to Jesus in spirit. Golly, Lord Jesus. I mean, that's good news. It says that's the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Your only hope of heaven, your only hope of going to heaven is Jesus Christ living in you. There's nothing you do, not one thing you or I do will give us any hope to experience the glory of heaven except Christ in us. Jesus walking around in you, living in you, is your hope that when you leave this life, your sins are forgiven and you will spend eternity forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and ever in heaven with him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Wow. Mm. Lord, we don't even know what to say. It's, 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 a, it's a revelation that's, that's just... There's, there's, there's too much to bear almost, Lord. But we thank you, Lord, that you do live in us and you go with us. And we ask you to help us, Lord, to live with you all the while knowing you are our only hope. Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. And it's Christ. Now, Jesus is God. We talked about this at the Bible study. As Christians, we got to get back to talking about Jesus you know, sometimes you'll hear, you'll hear, you'll hear uh, ministers have a sermon and they'll say the word God 50 times, but they won't say Jesus. We got to get back to talking about Jesus. It doesn't say God in you. Jesus is God. So God is in you, but you got to know it's Christ in you. It's Jesus Christ, your only hope. He's the one that's in you. God, the son by his Holy Spirit the hope of glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 28, finishing up here. We proclaim him. Stop right there. We got to get back to proclaiming Jesus. We can often proclaim a lot of things, ridiculous things, frankly. We need to get back to proclaiming him. We proclaim Jesus, Paul said. Okay. The church has to get back to proclaiming Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's all that matters. We proclaim Jesus. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone. We proclaim Jesus to everyone. There were people uh, here in uh, Colossae and, and that were thinking they were just a, 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 there were just some special people. No, no, no. There are no special people. There are no special people. Okay. This is what we are. We're special sinners. That's what I am. Okay. And, and we teach everyone to know Christ. And in Christ, we're forgiven of our sin. 
We grow to be more and more like Christ. We grow to live a lifestyle that's less and less sinful. We are identified then as, as children of God our Father. God our Father becomes our Heavenly Father in Christ, right? And by His day-to-day grace, we continue to grow closer to Him. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Admonishing. That means exhorting. That means commanding. That means rebuking. Whatever you got to do to get someone to know Christ. However you got to drag them there, James. Whatever we got to do to get them to Christ. Admonish them, rebuke them, love them, teach them. Use all the wisdom you can. Because the ultimate goal is not only that they be in Christ, Verse 28, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. The goal is that we would, we would grow and mature to be more and more and more and more like Jesus. To where ultimately we look like Christ in our moment to moment, day by day lives. That's the goal of our life, Kristen. Lauren, that is the goal of your life that you become perfect in Christ. Your spirit is perfect when you've received Christ. You're you're completely perfect in Christ when you receive him spiritually. But your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and the choices that you and I make, well, those have to be sanctified. We've talked about this before. Justification is a a one-time event that happens at salvation. You've put your faith in Christ All of your sin is credited to Christ at the cross, past, present, and future sin. The perfect righteous life of Jesus is credited to you. That exchange of the righteousness of Christ for your and my sin, that exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. When that happens, you are justified. God the Father declares you not guilty of sin. And he actually declares you righteous in Christ. And he does that because he declared Christ guilty of the sin that you and I deserve to be condemned for. It's an incredible, that exchange of the cross is inconceivable. It's so amazing. And Jesus chose to do it. That's justification. It's a one-time event that happens at the time when you're born again, when you receive Jesus as your savior, you're justified. It's done. But then the Bible teaches a a concept called sanctification. And that's a lifelong event where we have to grow moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year to be more like Jesus and to repent where we fall short. And we do fall short. Me more than anyone. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Again, did you see that, guys? In Christ, y'all. Ladies, everyone perfect in Christ. I was talking to a, uh, I was talking to a lady, Landon, a few days ago, and, uh, you know, sometimes we make the mistake as ministers. You know, we will present, we'll present two different pictures that men should live this way and women should live this way. There are no two standards in Christ. We want everyone to not only receive Christ, 
but everyone to be made perfect in Christ. I believe it's Galatians 3.28. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, barbarian, Scythian, male or female. There is no male or female in Jesus. All there is is Christ. So wherever you are today as a man or a woman, the call of God on your life is to be perfectly mature in Christ. My man Gary, as a matter of fact, brought up Matthew 5.48. He told us all to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. Gary was a little closer than the rest of us at that group. I'm the farthest away. Jesus meant it when he said that, by the way. He really did mean that that ought to be the focus of our lives, moment by moment, day by day. And yes, we won't get there, but that ought to be our desire is to be like our Heavenly Father, to be like Jesus in every way, to present everyone perfect in Christ. You see, Paul keeps talking about Christ, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That, that needs to be the focus of our lives. And finally, verse 29 to this end I labor, and to this end you and I ought to labor. This ought to be our labor. Okay, Labor means hard work. You ought to be working that you might grow and mature in Christ and working to help everyone else mature in Christ. And the only way we can do that is by the Word of God and the Son of God. And, and having a lifestyle of repentance when we fall short. We need to repent, Matt, when we fall short. Daily. You know, there are just things in our lives. This has nothing to do with our salvation. You don't get saved by repenting. There's nothing you can do that affects your salvation if you're in Jesus Christ. Salvation is not about anything you do or don't do. It's about Christ and you receiving him and putting all your hope and faith and, and uh, confidence in him. But this is work. To this end, I labor. I'm afraid in the church today, we, 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 end, we, we labor to a lot of ends that are not Christ. Examine yourself today. Are you laboring in Christ? Which means you're just always talking about Christ. Always encouraging people in Christ. Always bringing up Jesus. Always looking for more ways you can be like Christ. Or no. I think, I think we labor in a lot of things in, in, in the church today, myself included, that aren't Christ. But not this guy, not our, not our uh, Father Paul here, our spiritual Father Paul. He said, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy. Struggling with all his energy. Remember, Christ lives in you. He works hard. We gotta, he says he struggles with all his energy. So... As a believer, there's nothing we can do without the grace of Christ in our lives. The grace and mercy of God in our lives is what allows us to work with him and serve him, right? But sometimes, you know, we can't just sit around and say, you know, I'm waiting on that, that grace of Christ, wait. We need, to, we need to put in all our energy, struggling one with his energy. Anything good we ever did was because of the grace of Christ, that's why we'll lay our crowns before him. Any reward we get, we'll realize that we couldn't have done anything without him. Lord Jesus, I ask you to help us to learn, to labor, to struggle with your energy, which so powerfully works in us, Lord. Lord, we acknowledge that it's you. But Lord, at the same time, we have to put our energy with your energy, Lord. We can't just be lazy or indifferent, Lord. 
So Lord, I ask you to, to just to help us to, to live our lives laboring and struggling, Lord, and working hard as our, uh, as our big brother Paul did here, as our, as our spiritual father, the apostle Paul did, uh, Lord Jesus. Um, and we're told to follow his example. He is our example, Lord, of what it looks like for a man to follow you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this word. I, uh, I thank you, Lord, for the timely word given, uh, given to me this last uh, Wednesday um, with the guys. And uh, just I appreciate, um, you know, just their, uh, you know, their heart to study these scriptures, Lord. Um, I ask you to help us one and all to, to live out these scriptures in every aspect of our lives, Lord. Father, we love you. We bless you. And we thank you. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.